Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. What's up, everybody? This is Jay Nathan. Uh, I was out in Lehigh, Utah this week, and I had the opportunity to sit down with Dave Blake from Client Success, a software company that's focused on customer success teams. We talked about enterprise customer success management. We talked about how to budget for a CS platform, and we talked about the explosive growth right now that's happening in the Lehigh Valley of Utah. So I think you're going to enjoy the discussion. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Talk to me about how you guys are positioning client success relative to all the other players out there like yeah. where's your sweet spot kind of thing yeah I think um, you know when when I first started client success it was based on both a pain point and a passion that I had as a, as a leader a customer success leader at Adobe managing a global team and what we really wanted to do is we wanted to build a solution that CSMs would actually use every day yeah. I think there's a lot of software out there that um, that people don't use um, you sell, you implement, and 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 they and the end users don't end up using it. So we've really, from day one, tried to position our solution as the best time to value, the easiest to implement, and yeah. the best user experience. Um, we've tried to say uh, we're big believers in uh, focusing on the fundamentals, and and so our goal is to provide a platform that really is simple and easy to use and focus on the fundamentals. And we believe if the if the end users use it every day, and this helps them empowers them to focus on the fundamentals, that they will use it every day. Yep. And then the the executives and leaders and the other two members of, of the, the company will be able to to uh, get the data that they need out yeah. of it as well. How important is it for the executives to actually see that data? In terms of your adoption, and yeah, like yeah, it's it's critical. What role does that play for you guys? We have a we have a concept we call customer success as a culture. Um, customer success as a culture is a, a driving force to drive customer success as a culture. Is having the insights and analytics uh, to make action, you know, to to take action, to make great decisions, to drive accountability throughout the organization, and so um, it starts with being able to collect a lot of data. Um, it includes the team using it because they produce a lot of data and then being able for us to service that data to, to the customer success leaders, but also beyond. Yeah. Our ultimate goal is that it's a source of truth for customer data in the boardroom. Yeah. That's when oh, we yeah. know that we've been successful um, in, in, in implementing and building a platform that, that is great is when um, it's, it's used in the boardroom because in order to be in the boardroom, you have to have the CSMs use it, the frontline team use it. You have to have the trust of the data and the platform yeah. from the VPs, yeah. trust by the CEO, and, and to be, be able to bring that into that trusted boardroom, right? Absolutely. So. A lot of companies are doing this on spreadsheets and like the finance guys taking all the data to the boardroom. So like, how do we get over that hump, right? And make it a systemized thing because there's so much nuance in a lot of this data. It can be wrong a yeah. lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 our standard that we have is is it can can we get into the boardroom? In fact, a uh, cool story for us is that one of our, our our investments came from that specific situation. We had a, we had a customer of ours who who founded uh, or found client success, implemented it, and they took it into a boardroom situation. And one of our investors was like, "What is this? Who is this?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's client success." 
we just we just bought it and next thing you knew inter- introductions were made and and it ended up being resulting in an investment from that that awesome. VC uh, into our company and that's what we want to see is yeah. is um, is we want to see more and more of this data in the boardroom that's yeah an amazing story it was, it was wow. really cool. Wow. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Something we always use as, as an example of that's aligned to our overall objective. How are you finding your customers are paying for your platform? One of the questions we hear a lot is just like, what part of the budget? In fact, I was talking to a Gartner analyst the other day who's starting to look at this um, segment and category um, as it's turning into. And he's he's trying to wrap his head around around where the budget's coming from. So how would you... How would you talk to him? What would you tell him? Yeah, I think it's uh, we're still, even though this this space has been around for a long time, it's still in the early stages of maturing. And so, I, even with with budgets, um, I, I think some organizations have been able to you know allocate uh, budgets to the customer success team. Other organizations are pulling it from a, a more of a general operations or systems uh, budget. Um, we look at it when we try to help our customers build the ROI, we, we look at it in three main areas. We say, okay, if you, uh, if you look at your, um, your renewal rates, and if you can increase your renewal rates by just one or two percentages, it more than pays for a solution like ours. Yeah. Second is expansion. If you look at your expansion rates and you, you increase expansion by a couple percentages, and the third one is, is um, you know, team optimization, uh, headcount. If our platform can allow you to manage more customers with less with with less uh, team members, yep. that the, that's the third way. So, um, you know, we look at it on those three axes, and that's how you, uh, our customers typically build the business case, or we help them build the business case internally. Yep. For budget. So, does it does it tend to follow? Do you find that it follows the size of the business at all in terms of whether that's that budget is sitting in a discrete? customer success or sales or even yeah. operations budget versus some other place? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think one of the challenges in our space is that a lot of these customer success leaders have never purchased software. They've always um, inherited software from some part of the organizations. You know, typically when we're selling into companies, they're coming, as you mentioned, from spreadsheets they're trying to use their sales CRM or, or, or cobbled together the, uh, you know, their insights and analytics across multiple systems. And so there's not a lot of experience generally in the space with buying software. So one of the, one of the challenges and opportunities that we have when we sell into companies is, uh, is helping you know, coaching our prospects through that, uh, that discussion internally of helping them build the business case um, helping them understand what they should look for when they're when they're buying solutions, how they buy yeah. it, and, and those yeah. types of things. Um, and so that, that that the budget comes from various places, but um, uh, but I think it, it certainly is stage dependent. Earlier stage yeah. companies they they maybe don't have a formal budget. Larger companies have started allocating a formal budget to to the customer success team for systems and solutions yep. and consulting yep. Um, yep. for later stage companies. Yep, makes complete sense. It's like yeah. sort of practicing what you preach, right? Yeah. Customer success in the sales cycle. Exactly. It's beautiful. Exactly. So um, going back to the way, so you mentioned Adobe and your background and how you, you know, I know you were at Omniture, which yep. is really where you, yeah. you were probably doing, you were doing customer success before it was like a mainstream thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, but I read your article just this week on, on Delt. Uh-huh. So talk to me about Delt, yeah. how you think about that. 
Yeah. Um, what does it stand for? Maybe we should start there. So at, uh, in, in my time at Amateur and Adobe, I ran global strategic accounts and enterprise accounts. Strategic accounts, the, the threshold for that segment was a million dollars in revenue a year. So we're talking AOL at the time, which was big. Uh, that was actually the biggest analytics deal in history for many years. Wow. Um, uh, Microsoft, Apple, eBay, Sony, all of these big brands our team was managing. And what we saw that as we were evolving our um, customer success team is that our team was doing a really good job of, of engaging with the key stakeholders, but not engaging with the executive sponsors and the executive stakeholders. And so we, we implemented a, um, a innovative um, process and measurement we called DELT. And DELT uh, stood for director and executive level touches. And what we, what we did is we lined comp plans and, and performance objectives around our team's ability to um, go high and wide in an organization and develop relationships and foster ongoing relationships with individuals throughout these companies that were director and above. Um, and it was transformational. Now, what we saw, though, was that some of our CSMs, they couldn't make that transition. Mm -hmm. they, didn't, they, were, they had the ability to execute in the trenches day in, day out with the manager level, but they really weren't good about fostering and bringing value to the upper levels. And so it, it, it drove t um, a couple transformations. One is it changed the dynamics and the profile of our customer success team to where we started hiring individuals that could both um, roll up their sleeves and execute the tactical day and day, but also develop great relationships. So our hiring profile changed. But then the, the impact, the transformational impact of, of, um, of focusing on executive relationships, which I called uh, a term relationship ROI, developing relationship yep. ROI in yep. our organizations, uh, was transformational. Till eventually what we did is we raised the bar and we started measuring them on VELTs. Uh, and we, we, we said, okay, now VP? it's just VP Okay, above. got it, got it. Like, it, a director is like table stakes now. Now we're going to push you to get out of your comfort zone. Nice. And we're going to only measure you and, yeah. and on, on VP and above. And it was, it was an awesome Interesting. transformation. We, we had this idea, we talk about um, like high touch and low touch as being two completely different models of customer success. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, there's all this conversation like who should own the revenue and who should like, should it be a product adoption role and a relationship role or should it be trust advisor or should it be revenue focused? And I think like you have to know more about the business before you can make that call, right? Because in your situation, like high dollar accounts, that's more of like an account management. Yeah. Like people who are really, really good at, you know, the product that is Omniture or Adobe marketing cloud, whatever it became, um, they may not be the right people to go do what you just described. Yeah. Director and VP level yeah. executive touches, right? Yeah, and I think that uh, I actually think all CSMs um, need to, uh, the profile of, of a CSM needs to have uh, the ability to make relationships and understand how to connect the dots of, of what's important to your executive sponsors. Um, um, even in a low-touch model, well, you may not be engaged with those executive sponsors. You need to understand the mindset of the broad executive sponsor base. And so I, I'm, I'm never engaged. I may never um, 
I may be in a low touch model and I'm over, I'm responsible for a book of business of 200 customers or 500 customers. And I'm not going to have, I'm not going to engage with 500 executive sponsors, but the pro I need to understand the profile and the mindset of the general executive sponsor base within there. And I need to make sure that I'm doing what I can to ensure our product and, um, and we're empowering the organizations to, to meet the needs of those executive sponsors right. as a whole, yeah. not individually. Right, right. As, a, as, a different a, as a category of people, and maybe yeah. there's automation behind that, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we're sort of finding and hitting on is that engagement is key, like staying top of mind. You can't be on the phone with 500 people, yeah. right? But yeah. if you engage through what we would think of traditionally as marketing activity, yeah. right, automated touches, exactly. then you can stay top of mind, stay relevant, stay valuable Yep. without actually having to get on the phone or yep. have a QBR or whatever it is. Yeah. And I love the word relevancy, um, relevant, um, because that's the key is I, how can I uh, be relevant to those executive sponsors in a low touch? In a high touch, uh, relevancy is, is a very different story. Because in that case, you do need to know the executive sponsor yep. and you need to know their definition of value. Uh, because every everyone has a different definition of value. Everyone has a different uh, objective they're trying to achieve. Everyone is comped differently. And so what we would do in more of a high-touch strategic account um, or strategic customer success model is say, know them, understand their needs, understand yep. what keeps them up at night, what their objectives are, and then you do everything you can to help them achieve that. And, yeah. and that's where you become relevant. As it's a more CSM. personal yeah. at that level, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Awesome discussion. I love, yeah. I love this topic. So let's talk about CS 100. It's coming up September 9th through 11th. So. Yeah. yeah. CS 100 summit is, uh, and I, we love it. It's an awesome summit. Uh, what we did when we, when we decided, uh, to, to create the a CS 100 summit is we said, we want to create an experience for CS, uh, customer success leaders and executives. Uh, our goal was not to be the biggest conference in the space. It was be, to be the best conference in the space for um, customer success leaders and, and uh, executives. And so that's what we've tried to do is set out to, to develop, uh, to create an experience. Uh, we hosted at Sundance Resort, um, which Beautiful is place. a stunning um, resort in the mountains of Utah. Uh, Robert Redford, uh, it's his his resort and yep. he lives up there. And, and uh, so we bring together a hundred customer success leaders from around the globe and just to create an awesome experience together. Uh, we have excellent speakers every year. Um, we love, we've kept it at, at only a hundred to 125 to, um, in, to develop a very high impact networking and knowledge sharing opportunity with your friends and peers in the space. Um, and then we've, um, We've added a lot of fun. So they do mountain biking and hiking and zip lining, and we have a concert. I saw the zip lines uh, for the first time this week out there. It's pretty intense. Yeah, it is. You get zip up lines. at the top of Sundance and you go from from peak to peak. Wow! And it, it is an exhilarating, amazing Sounds experience. Fun. So, <laughs> a uh, so we're excited. We love to get together with these leaders uh, from around the, to to have old friends come and new every year and experience it. And we have a lot of fun hosting it. You guys must be working hard right now to get yeah. ready for that. So. Yeah, we're working. We're working hard right now. This every, every time at this time of year, it's uh, it's intense. Focus on that, and uh, 
we we have a, a, a smaller staff that that manages it, but uh, every year we 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 do our best. You give to them a little time off, off after experience. it's done. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yep. That's great. Well, excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's a big contrast to some of the other events in the space, right? And it's, yeah. I love the way you've carved out a unique niche around it. Yeah, we've tr- tried to be original and unique, and we feel we feel good about uh, their reputation that that it's gained. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, you're in the middle of. For people who don't know, you were in the middle of. Um, what's called the Silicon Slopes, yep. right? And Lehigh yep. Valley, is that the way to yeah. say it, you know, in, yeah. in Utah? So talk to me about what's going on here because it's super exciting. Yeah, we're, we're excited to be based in Utah and be a part of what we call Silicon Slopes. Um, you know, Utah is just um, exploding right now, uh, particularly in the SaaS space. Yeah. Um, everywhere you look, you know, we're sitting here in, in an office right in the heart of Silicon Valley, a, a city called Lehigh where you've got um, you've got Domo just down the street, Qualtrics down there, Workfront, Weave, in, uh, Plural Sites building their big campus just down the road, um, Divi, uh, uh, Podium, all these great companies yep. that are here. And um, the, the history of Utah, for those who don't know, is that uh, Utah was actually um, WordPerfect back in the day, for those who still remember WordPerfect, yep. who competed against Microsoft, yeah. was founded here in in Utah and Novell. Those were the, the earliest ones. And uh, the success of those businesses drove capital, infused capital into the market. And then I was lucky to be a part of the next big catalyst to create uh, um, Silicon Slopes, which is Omniture. Omniture started out as a small web analytics company and grew to be this uh, the, one of the best uh, SaaS companies in the history and then eventually sold to to Adobe, as, as we know, for $1.8 billion. And I was in there for that hyper growth for when we went public and then we were sold to Adobe. Wow. That whole process, uh, Omniture then, was the second wave of um, this infusion of capital and cash and yep. innovation and talent back in the market yep. and, and really just lit the fire. And now you've got all these great companies um, awesome. around us and um, it just it, we, we've got the ball rolling and it's exciting to see yeah. the, the, the innovation and the success of, That's great. of SaaS. It's getting crowded. Yeah. It's getting crowded here. Yeah, sil- uh, sil- uh, the, the, you know, uh, Silicon Valley VCs are, are jumping in here. Um, yep. A lot of the big organization, uh, big um uh, global organizations are, are setting up shop here in Utah um, because of the talent, the cost of living, um, and uh, the success here. And so it's 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 really changing the dynamic. It's exciting dynamics, but it's also uh, getting very competitive now yeah, here in for Utah for talent. And, and, yeah, yep. And uh, and wages are going up and and those types of things. So it's exciting. That's great. Well, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you just drive down Highway 15 here and look on both sides of the highway. You sort of feel like you're in a yeah. You know, little little version of Silicon Valley. Yep, that's so, that's true. Really fun, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Yeah, you bet. This is it's great. I love catching up with you, and um, and thanks for you know recording the podcast. Yeah, with me, it's been a lot of fun. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain Grow Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.